0: I had an interesting experience this week in preparation for the sermon or homily or it, whatever. Uh, I found that I got the lessons all intact, printed out, ready to read and study, and then I lost them in a day. Then I thought, well, I'll make a better copy and I'll do it back to back so it's easier to keep them all together. And I did keep that. I read through them a couple of times, Then yesterday morning, I thought, ooh, I'm still not clear of what I'm preaching on. So I studied more and more, and I thought, boy, I'm going to be really ready. Two o'clock this morning, I woke up and had a whole new idea. It was terrible. I had this flashback to an experience I had early on in my ministry at manatee community college in Bradenton, florida which is facing quote the hurricane and perhaps that's where my thoughts went i don't know but the epistle this morning hebrews talks about what it is that the christian needs to be aware of and i think the important line is when it starts with let mutual love continue very bold statement mutual love continue then it ends with something do not neglect to be to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to god the intention of love and the intention of doing good are critical in our christian faith in hebrews they write about what happens to the mystery of faith however in the gospel this morning we hear about table etiquette and it's very important to understand table etiquette because in fact I don't I don't know how many of you have ever done this I I have so I can speak from my own personal experience Have you ever gone and they have these tables and they have the name plaques on all the tables and you look around and you look for your name and everything else. And as you get further and further away from the head seat, you realize that I'm not exactly part of the in crowd here. I'm sort of out beyond the pale. Uh, And it's funny because all of a sudden I'm getting upset about where my name plaque is. It has nothing to do with me personally, but I'm caught up with where is my name plaque. I know that none of you have had that experience, so I'm speaking obviously just of my own experience. And it speaks to the gospel lesson when we're talking about, you know, when you invite friends, they're going to repay. You invite people that can't repay, you actually realize the glory of God's presence. And I think it's interesting for us to recognize this experience about our own egos and strength because I think a lot of us share that, particularly when it comes to being named and placed. Now my flashback. When I was at Manatee Community College, they figured, well, the chaplain, because I was already considered partially faculty there, the chaplain should probably teach a course in religion. Well, actually what happened was the philosophy professor who also had a church on Longboat Key was unavailable for two semesters on sabbatical. And I figured, well, let's stick it on the chaplain because he's obviously trained in world religions. Fortunately, I had a class in college that was on world religions and I did some study. But it was a while before this ask for me to teach world religions. And I remember in college, the book was by NOS, and it was called, now this is telling you how old I am, Man's Religions. Today we might talk about world religions, but then it was Man's Religions. And it was a very interesting text because it was filled with all kinds of information on the various world religions. Very difficult for me to get a theme or a focus or a sense of source. So I found another book while I was in college by John Houston, and it was, again, titled Man's Religions. Uh, 1958 was the authorship, so you'll understand that it was in a interesting contextual time anyway what he did was he instead of looking at all of the historical issues he looked at what were the primary focuses of these world religions and the impact that they have positively on their culture he looked at it from the point of view of what each religious faith had to offer its culture interesting concept Because it didn't get into all of the things that were sort of dissuaded or separated or all of those things. It was looking at the lifting up of world religions and seeing them from the virtue point of view. Which really moved me, I'm telling you, quite frankly. And the interesting part was, when I got to the chapter on Christian religion, there was something that happened and it popped out at me. Because he said, one of the things the Christians experienced was total annihilation and persecution if you became a Christian. Now, that's nothing that we have to worry about today. But at that time, in fact, if you claimed to be a Christian, if you were baptized into the Christian faith, you could be killed immediately. The culture was against the expansion of the Christian faith. But. Here's the interesting part. Christianity kept growing and growing and growing and emerging to the point where those who were persecuting the church had to come to some kind of accommodation for this faith that seemed to persevere in spite of everything. Interestingly enough, Houston Smith says this particular group called Christians have an extreme understanding of love in a time when that was something that was non-existent in the ordinary culture around them. There was contempt, there was competition, there was violence, there was dictatorships that were annihilating peoples right and left. And here this one little community starts talking about love. So much so that people are willing to risk their very life to be a part of that community. I think that's a pretty darn good thing. The point I'm trying to make is that we, in fact, as Christians, are called to do the nature of love. To love one another. To love all people. And as a matter of fact, our baptism statement, and this always comes up for me, says we will respect the right of every individual now I want to go back to the whole idea of what Houston Smith was talking about in terms of were religions the Christian faith was so empowered by love that in fact they could love people who were not Christians very interesting concept today because Christians are not necessarily loving of one another when we look at the variety of Christian faiths and how they become separated as opposed to united in love, that in fact people are still at risk. Houston Smith was talking about a world where in fact if we explored religion neutrally and it got ourselves into the mindset that every religion around offers some dignity, some beauty, some powerful aspect of culture instead of the world which we know today where religions fight with one another, demean one another, attack one another. And I really feel this is an important lesson because if we know ourselves to be lovers because Christ has called us to love one another and love God, then we have an obligation not to fight, not to resist, not to assume negative culture, but rather to change it. When I started teaching, I was flabbergasted by classmates who were just so shocked that other cultures, other religions could be motivating, could be moral, could be developing a kind of greater community within. But they were really happy when I got to Christianity, because that's something they knew, until I started teaching about Christianity and the history. And they said, wait a minute, this is not what we understand today. This is not how we operate in our church. And I said, well, okay, then let's talk about your churches. What did they say about one another? What do they say about a Catholic, and a Protestant? What do they say about a fundamentalist and a traditionalist? What do they say about all those things? And the interesting part was they weren't willing to go to the real level of thought about their faith. They were looking for the comfort that their faith offered them. Now, if we're called to be lovers, it's not going to be comfortable Because we're going to have to love and respect all religions. That's hard. Because that's not what's being sold by our public. That's not what's being sold internationally. I always thought it was powerful for Bishop Swing to say, there's got to be a commonality of religions to the point which we grow and expand our minds and begin to actually love one another. It was a powerful statement and a powerful cause which he tried to engender. And the interesting part is the Dalai Lama, Bishop Tutu, they became a part of this process of recognizing that through our understanding of one another, we can actually grow to love. Instead of hate. That we can grow to incorporate. Instead of separate. So looking at this gospel today. Looking at our call. To be loving Christians. We've got an awful lot. To do. To realize. The very source. Of God's love for us. Through Jesus Christ. And instead of having. A separation between this religion and that religion, we need to honor those people who have faith because faith gives them a sense of direction and morals, a sense of purpose and meaningful life. It's certainly easy to tear down the various religions for various reasons, but when we look at the core of the faith and the writings that they have, And the traditions that they have, they all speak to a sense of community and relationship, which is God's call for us as Christians, too. I struggle with this daily. This is not something that's easy for me. Because I like to default to, well, I should be honored because I know so much. I should be sitting at the front table instead of looking at the sense of humility that I should have, because if, in fact, I'm a true lover of Christ and a lover of God, then that whole idea of how important I am becomes worthless. It's about how do I relate to others? How do I interact with others to support them, to give them a conviction of faith? A little anecdotal story. I mentioned this before because I, there was one person that was very much in the Episcopal evangelical movement. And believe me, friends, they were very evangelical. As a matter of fact, I was discounted as a royal talker at, some, at our crucio uh, in Florida. Because I didn't mention the devil. And that was anathema. I could not be a priest without talking about the devil. Even though I told them that I don't see the devil as something external, I see the devil as something I allow inside myself, and it changes a lot of my views, and I feel really angry and upset with people that I'm supposed to love. But that, wasn't, that didn't count. I was banned from teaching royals. And the interesting part to me was that in that very subtle and, it, and uh, well, let me go back because the Curcio was all Episcopalians. We didn't have any Protestants, we didn't have any Catholics, none of that stuff. It was just for the Episcopal people. And yet, in that group, we found dissonance and a separation. And it was painful for me because I thought, like most Episcopal priests, that my views were sort of open and unended. And no one could accept the fact, this person in particular could not accept the fact that I was an Episcopalian like he was. So we get a lot of work, an awful lot of work. And when we hear people condemning religions or faiths based upon lack of knowledge and lack of understanding and the sense of beauty and dignity that each religion has in and of itself, We're actually speaking against Christ. What did he do? He went to the less fortunate. He talks about bringing the people to the table that are lame, that are sick. Not the people that, quote, deserve it because they'll have to return it. But to the people who don't have the opportunity to repay and, in fact, feel honored for the first time in their lives. The stories of Christ are our Gospels. He's always going to the wrong person and saying the right things. And he's saying that, in fact, they are acceptable by God. When, in fact, we can see, you know, particularly those people that were outside the pale of the real Jewish faith, the Samaritans. He could even point out that the Samaritans had a culture and a value and a significance and an honesty and integrity that had to be loved. It's a hard Sunday. It's hard for all of us because it's easier to be negative. It's easier to pick on something as opposed to affirm our love for Christ, our love for God, and therefore our obligation to love everyone. It's a hard task, and it's a hard Sunday. But the interesting part is, every Sunday we get the opportunity to be reminded of the principal purpose of our lives, to love Christ, to love one another, and to love the neighbor, who sometimes is very frustrating. Amen.